Good afternoon. This is Father Larry Richards, and you are listening and watching right now, Anchored in Hope. And so this is, we meet, we haven't met in the last couple of weeks because I've been out of town. Um, and then last Thursday, of course, was Thanksgiving. So today I just ran out of a meeting at the diocese and just came here. And so I'm still trying to get my breath. <laughs> so first thing we need to do is pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, Savior, save us. You are Emmanuel. You are with us. Jesus, help us to focus on you, to know your presence, and know at this very moment we're not alone. You are with us. You breathe life into us and that you love us. It's by your grace that we live and we move and we have our being. Jesus, help us to truly know your will and live your will. We beg you these things, Lord Jesus Christ, in your most holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. Again, this is your time to ask questions, and so the best thing to do is I have email questions, of course, here, but you can type on the chat here if you're watching live, and I can um, see those questions and respond to those questions as we get them. Again, we're still in a question and answer mode until we find someone um, to really do media for the foundation. We don't have anybody now, and again, I'm just going to make the pitch again. If you know someone that's good in media, um, all this type of stuff, we, we need someone to apply, uh, pay for this. Uh, we know we're going to pay someone half-decent money to, to do this. We just need people who, you know, I just don't want someone here that uh, can do all of it. I want someone here who has a heart for Jesus, a heart for bringing people into relationship with Jesus, a heart to reaching everybody, because that's what we need. And I've been praying for that, and I know God is faithful to that, and God is going to fill that need with the right person. So again, anything like that, if you know somebody, just have them contact the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, the Reason for Our Hope dot org and talk to mary Therese, my executive director send in any kind of resume in that you have don't necessarily the ideal thing would be someone from erie pennsylvania but don't necessarily have to uh be from mary if they can do it from wherever they are and they can do it in a, in a way that we're not just an aside but it's you know this is what it is um their mission is our mission because our mission is to spread hope and that's God's mission. So it's about doing God's will in a, in a uh, powerful way to reach, you know, it's God's will that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. And so that got to be our will too. And so please pray with me for that, that God would fill that post. And if you're someone that can, um, that would be fantastic. So thank you very much. Okay, let's go right into the questions today. We'll start with the chat. Oh, how is your mom doing? <laughs> well, what a time to ask. In the middle of my meeting, I got a call from my sister this past Monday. We found a place to put my mother in. It's a secular place, which I don't particularly care for. 
they keep calling me Larry and everything, but it's brand spanking new. But we put her in Monday, and uh, this morning she fell, and she went to the hospital, and uh, she broke a couple uh, or compressed some vertebrae in her back. She has to wear a brace and everything. So, uh, you know, you, you spend all this money on a place, and then they fall. You know, but there's really, I don't know, I don't know. It's, um, but again, the, the, my thing is, I, I'm, I'm just being more and more convinced I'm not going to, I have been so stressed these last month. I mean, if you watched my homily last Sunday, you could see I was stressed, I was irritable, uh, and that's what happens when I get stressed. You know, it's like someone with a toothache. You know, you're worried about the toothache. And so uh, I've been on the road and everything else, and, you know, it's not your problem. I just ask you to pray for me uh, and all the stuff that's going around because, uh, again, when I get stressed, I get uh, crazy. And so I was just starting to breathe again on Monday because I've been, I've been on the road so much. And so Monday I went down and I thought, okay, this will be a good place. I don't have to worry about my mother now for a while. Uh, and so then, of course, I have to. And then as I'm talking to my sister on the phone, because I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania. My mom's in Pittsburgh, which is two hours away. So I'm in the midst of all this. And then I got a text from someone else that says uh, a tree fell out at my house and knocked out all the power in the neighborhood. And so there's no way I can even get out there right now because I have meetings tonight. Uh, we'll have a live stream. Uh, Father Mac is going to be doing our praise and worship tonight at 7 o'clock. And then I have at my parish, Pints with Padre, Padres. And so, uh, um, again, it's just kind of like, just ask for your prayers. I've been praying for you every day, and I just ask you to please pray for me. But thank you for asking that means a lot. There's people around me that never ask once. You know? <laughs> so it's good when someone sits there and says, Father, how are you or how is your family? It's like, thank you. Oh, I know. But again, what people do is when I get irritable and everything as I do is that what it pushes people away, it doesn't draw them in. And what I really need at that time is people to sit there and say, how are you? And then that really can help me significantly because sometimes, you know, like as a celibate priest, you got to do everything by yourself sometimes. And uh, as priests, people expect you to be, uh, you know, above all this stuff and everything. And, uh, you know, that's just not me. You know, I'm more human than all of you. I have more dysfunction than most of you. <laughs> so that, that should give us the reality that in the midst of all these things, God is still present. God is still faithful. God still gives hope. He knows how all this is going to end. And if we stay focused on him instead of ourselves or our situation, then we can have the joy of the Lord. And the problem is, is when, you know, again, I, how you think is how you feel, right? So if I think everything's going bad and I'm out of control and everything else, and I feel out of control, but if I think the truth that God is in control, God, we can't even take our next breath without God saying, okay, that he knows everything that's going to happen and he cares for me and he cares for you and he's going to make all things work together for good. You think of those things, then you can have peace. And sometimes I just need to be reminded uh, exactly of those things. So again, thank you for asking. So let's go back here. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you for praying, you and Paul, Joel, Juliet. It's very, uh, very exciting that you're uh, praying and keep praying. 
I think this is going to be a good place for her. Um, I took her out to lunch before I put her there, and uh, and I, you know, what are you going to do? It's just part of all life. Huh? We all have our struggles, so God is good. He is faithful. What is the name of the soothing music played before Mass? Before Mass, it sounds like chants. Yeah, if you ever if you ever stop at my parish, we have chant that plays, uh, that we play before Mass and everything. And it is just really simple chant uh, from some Benedictine monastery. I don't know if it's the Advent one or the Easter one. It might still be the Easter one. No one really knows what it says. It's just very uh, comforting. Uh, and that's why... Before all the masses, we play chant uh, just to help people to to settle and to refocus, as we already talked about. So there you go. Hope that helps, Michael. Again, ask, thanks for asking about my mother. Praying for you and your mom. Thank you. Hi, Father Ryan, family law. Uh-oh. Here we go. Hello, Paul. So everybody saying many prayers. Good job. Thanks, Paul. I think that's an old picture you have here of you there. I see. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be the new picture come uh, January, and I'm out there. So you have about a little less than two months. I want to see what's happening with you when I get out there. I'm in the middle of a fast right now. My 20-hour uh, fast stops at 5.15 today. So uh, for me, fasting is the greatest thing uh, I was doing quite well until I went to Italy, and then uh, and then all the stress that happened in Italy, uh, not the people of Italy, that's where I found out my mother had, had to go to a place, and so this last month since the two months in Italy, I've had to try to struggle to get re-back in, because with me, my... Um, uh, my habit or my heroin is carbs. <laughs> it just is. So when I'm stressed, my food, I go to food, and not just any food. I have to go to carbs, pizza, and uh, uh, candy, and all that kind of stuff. All the things that's very bad, very, very bad for a diabetic. I know. Please don't anybody say that to me. Father, you should watch. I know I should watch. I know quite well. So but thanks. Okay. Father, where do I go or what can I do to come at Thomas, the Apostle Catholic Church? Oh, for you to come, all you have to do if I uh, come down there is uh, go to our website, thereasonforourhope.org and say, have Father Larry come or he goes to meet Father Larry and have Father Larry come and it gives all the, the, the things to have me come and you can fill out the, um, the information there. As uh, right now, we still have for 2022, we still have a week open during Lent for a parish mission. Now, again, for a parish mission, you need to have a parish of at least 2,000 families and that for me to leave my parish for a week uh, to go down there. So we've had uh, places with smaller parishes, you know, smaller numbers, but it's just uh, for me to leave my parish and that I need to be able to reach the, the most amount of people as possible. You know, most people who do parish missions and that are religious and they can go anywhere because they have all this free time. I'm a full-time pastor. So my first responsibility is to my parish. And so uh, that's why I always made the thing with them that I wouldn't go unless it was a big enough parish that I could reach many, many people. Uh, so that's the whole thing. But if you're, you have a bigger parish, uh, there's a space open this Lent. 
as long as your pastor's 100% behind, because sometimes the people want me to come, but the pastors don't want me to come. And the pastors have to be the ones that are there every night. All staff has to be there every night. Everything is all spelled out there, parish missions, everything. The video, everything's on there. So for anybody out there, we have one five-day or four-day mission left in Lent this year. So you can find out all that on our website, thereasonforourhope.org. Okay, so now let's go to our emails. Whenever I picture the baptism of Jesus during my rosary, I view it as if John the Baptist and Jesus had never met. Knowing the relationship between Mary and Elizabeth, do, you, do we know if Jesus and John engaged with one another prior to Jesus being baptized? We really don't know, um, but I would imagine they did. But again, whether he knew that Jesus was the Christ, um, we don't know. Now, of course, he knew it in the womb because remember when Elizabeth and uh, Mary met, John the Baptist leaped in the womb at Jesus being in the womb of Mary. So there was already something going on there. But whether they knew each other later, uh, I really haven't done much looking at it one way or the other. But you, I would think being cousins, they would, and big, you know, people hung out a lot in those days with family. So you would think so, but not sure. Okay, let's go back here. Hi, Chris Walker. Do you bring out the manger scene at the parish? When do you bring it out? Uh, Christmas Eve, I, you know, I... Uh, Sometimes we'll set up parts of it, but the infant Christ net isn't put out before Christmas Eve. Okay. Question for you. When you go to confession, and when you go to confession, there's a big line resulting in your summarizing your sins, and the priest absolves you of all sins you did not mention. Are you truly absolved of uh, unmentioned sins? All your venial sins are, of course, taken care of. You just have to make sure you always confess your mortal sins, and you should do that first. You know, so in case something like that's doing, as long as you confess your mortal sins, uh, then everything else is covered. If you purposely withhold a sin, then none of your sins are forgiven. So that's the... uh, uh, That's why it's like, even with the long lines, that's why I try to tell people... You should only go to confession once a month unless you have a mortal sin, then go immediately, of course. Um, And then know that your venial sins, if you truly repent of them, are forgiven at the beginning of every Mass. So if you go to daily Mass, your venial sins are forgiven every day. You get a new start every day. Um, So that's just a thing. But all mortal sins must be confessed to be forgiven. Okay. I'm even better looking now. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Sorry, that's the whole thing. Me too with the carbs. Okay. Refined carbs, no good. Only ate half the pumpkin pie and had to forgo the rest. There you go. Good job. Okay, Jacob. Hello, Father. Thank you for spending time with us today. Regarding no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. How do you choose where to start reading the scripture before breakfast, before bed? I'll tell you the way I do it. The way I do it every day is uh, the alarm clock goes off at 3.55. I turn the light on. Um, The Bible's right there next to my bed. I pray to the Holy Spirit, and I ask God to 
show me his will for this day to give me his words so that I do his will today, not my own. And then I uh, just open up the Bible and I start reading until God takes a two by four and whacks me over the head. So today it was um, the, the second to last verse from the book of uh, Jude, right? The last book before the book of Revelation. And it says, uh, to him who has the power to bring me blemished, uh, unblemished before God, that Jesus is the one who's going to, uh, who saves me. You know, again, too often I try to save myself and too often Catholics all try to save themselves and I have to do all this stuff before God will love me or before God will save me. God already loves you. God already saved you. You and I need to cooperate with that fully, completely, surrender our hearts and our lives to Jesus. But every day God has a will for us. And again, on Sunday, I was strong, um, some of the people that know me just laughed when I go off the way I do. But uh, some people don't. They sit there and they be- defriended me on Facebook and everything else. And some people sent some nasty things because, again, I support the Pope. And every time I do that, there are people that just are, like, very, very nasty. And that's okay because I was nasty the other way that I, you know, yeah. But, again, we all need dialogue more instead of fight more, if you ask me. But, anyway, it was part of this thing but sometimes like I say uh, my big fight was prayer gotta be your life praying is more important than breathing and we just can't just say prayers and again that doesn't mean like when I pray after I get the scripture verse and I write it down or like I have a, a bullet journal so I always put the verse down and I do my bullet journal so that's the verse I can meditate on all day and then I can talk to God about it all day and I just think that's so important because then we're listening to God before we're listening to the world, the flesh, or the devil. That God speaks to us before I speak to myself, before the world speaks to me, before the devil can speak to me. God speaks to me. And then I can have a dialogue with God all day. And so today it's been important for me, this Jude verse, for me to really remember that it's Jesus who saves me. It's Jesus who gets me through all this stuff. It's Jesus. It's not me because I'm not strong enough. And when I can count on him and throw myself on him and throw myself on his power uh, and his grace, then I can have peace. Huh? And so uh, that's what we all need to do, I think. And so just pray to the Holy Spirit because only the Spirit of God can reveal to you the Word of God and then open up the Bible and uh, read it until God speaks to you. That's what I do, and I do it every day, and I make all my seminarians do it every day, or the guys I'm spirits director to, I text them early in the morning, and they have to give me when they wake up. Before they do anything else, they have to send me their scripture verse for the day. Okay, so hopefully that helps. Okay, question. I have a medical diagnosis of PTSD. Is or can my faith be authentic? Absolutely. Um, The little flower had great bouts of depression. You know, uh, great bouts. She probably was clinically depressed if they had a psychologist that was looking at her. And so if you ever read her, uh, you know, Diary of a Soul, 
and you see how she would feel lonely and all these things that, but all the saints, none of them are perfect. I think that's, we do a disservice to ourselves and to the church is when we make all these saint, saint statues look so otherworldly. And part of it is because they're glorified now and see the face of God. But sometimes we have to remember the way they looked like and what they looked like and how they struggled and how they had scruples and how they had tempers. You know, uh, like even Padre Pio, I often go to him that uh, he would offend people and the, the friars would come up to him and say, Padre, you offended them. And he goes, I wanted to offend them. <laughs> you know, it'd be like, oh, it gives me some hope. You know, that uh, all, the, all the saints were very, very human people. So God knows all of our failures, our weaknesses, our issues, um, and he can use them in spite of them. And, you know, even Paul sat there and says, I begged the Lord to get certain whatever. We don't, don't know what his weakness was out of his life. And God says, in my weakness is strength. So this is your weakness. So Christ can glorify himself in that. PTSD has triggers often known, unknown to the individual. Therefore, sometimes my PTSD expresses itself in anxiety or anger. I can relate to that. I do realize wrath is different from anger in regards to sinfulness, of course. Again, just like me sharing earlier today that my stress causes me to get angry and short with people. Uh, and the more stressed I become, the less uh, patient I am with other people. Has nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with them. Has everything to do with me. And again, but I can give that to Christ and say, God, you, you know, it's yours. I am yours as I am with all my issues. And God can do work through us. You know, I would love to sit there and see, instead of the people that write the saints' books and all they do is focus on all the good they did and how they conquered everything, to really focus on their sinfulness. Because that gives us more hope. It gives me more hope anyway. That even with that, they still became great saints. And sometimes we just gloss over that and we don't think that's important. Even like someone as simple as um, uh, Pierre Giorgio Frasetti. You know, one of my favorite, he's not fully canonized yet, but he died young. I think he was 24 when he died. A great devotion to the poor and to the Eucharist. And they have one of the great pictures of him. He was on a mountain and he has a pipe in his mouth, which isn't sinful in itself. And so a lot of the people said, oh, that's a bad thing to give to our young people. So they took the pipe out of his mouth. You know, they, they reworked the picture. And I just think that's terrible because it's not real. We need real saints. Saints had struggled like we do because every one of us are called to be saints. Every single one of us. And so sometimes we get discouraged because of our own sinfulness, our own weakness, our own stuff. And God says, I want you to look at me and not you. It's I who make you holy, not you. And then the more we know that and the more than we can relate to that, then we can know that we can always have hope in spite of all the weaknesses and struggles and sins that you and I have, that we have hope that God can still make us great saints. So uh, don't I'm not saying not worry about that. Do the best you can. Ask God to take complete control of your life, complete control. Hold nothing back. You have to give him everything. 
Invite him into all your stuff, and he'll go in. He's not afraid of it. He can go into it and transform it. Huh? That's what God did with death. He entered death and brought life out of it. He took all the sins of the world upon himself on the cross, right? He who knew no sin became sin. So all the things you and I have struggled with, all the sins we have, Jesus Christ took them upon himself. He became sin and then transformed it into eternal life, transformed it into grace. So you got to give him yourself as you are that he can transform you into the saint he wants you to be. Um, is PTSD expressions itself in anger or is it still a sin for confession? Or would that idea concept in itself be considered justification for sin? Again, you don't know. I mean, like I could sit there and say, well, I was having a bad day, so that's why I got angry at everybody and I yelled and screamed or whatever. But it has to do with me. So I still have to confess that because of the, uh, I still can control it. Like I was talking to a buddy the other day and I said, I'm in an uh, irritable mood today. And he says, good to know. Now stay away from people today. Why don't you? And I says, that would be the best thing in the world for me to stay away from people today because I haven't had a day off. And, uh, you know, even Thanksgiving, the next day I tried to take off, but I had to do too much. Too much was going on. I had to get ready for Advent. But anyway, um, but that would have been a good idea. Stay away from people today. You know, but as a priest, that's hard. But again, so when I go to confession, I confess that, that I was irritable, that I was... uh, uh, Focused on self, I was filled with self-pity. You want to know the rest of my sins as I confess them here? <laughs> you know? so, but again, you bring that before the Lord. You always bring it before the Lord so the Lord can transform it. Is spiritual growth striving for holiness still meaningfully possible? It absolutely is possible, even more so. Because the people that think they're holy are not. They're filled with pride. If you don't know yourself, you don't know your sinfulness, there's really no hope for salvation. (laughs) That's a horrible thing to say, isn't it? But again, because then you don't need a savior. It's like when people come to confession and I'll say, so what are you doing? I can't think of anything. Well, how long since your last confession? It's been about a year. And I said, you have no sin in a year. Nope, I can't think of one, Father. Then there's no hope for your salvation, Right? Because we all sin. The word of God says a good man falls seven times a day. I'm not a good man. I fall more sometimes. I don't want to. The closer you are to God, the more you know your sinfulness. The farther away you are from God, the less sinful you think you are. Now, again, we're not talking about scrupulosity, which is a preoccupation with sinfulness. It's just knowing yourself in the light of Christ. So, uh, scrupulosity stays focused on yourself. When you know you're a sinner, it's because you're focused on Jesus and you know how far, how you're not like him, how you're not loving like him. And it doesn't cause you condemnation, which does in scrupulosity. It causes you humility. Scrupulosity brings condemnation to us and we're thinking God hates us and that he should hate us and we should be damned forever. That's not never of God. Never is that from God. True awareness of our sinfulness brings us gratitude that God would die for me and humility that I don't have room to judge anybody, even myself. Paul says, I do not even judge myself. 
So we who go and judge ourselves constantly, that's not the example from St. Paul. And so we got to just be thinking about these things. We should always stay focused on God and his grace. Of course, that'll show us our sinfulness. But then we don't ever focus on our sinfulness. We always focus on his grace. Okay, hopefully that helps. Let's go back to online here. Okay, we'll do for you and your mom. Thank you. Hi, Father Larry. It's important. Is it pers- important or necessary to do a general confession at least once in a lifetime or every few years? Never, ever, 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 ever confess sins that have already been confessed. Never, never, never. Because then you're glorifying Satan and you're saying one drop of the blood of Jesus is not enough to cover your sin. So often people will come in to me and say, Father, I want to make a general confession for these sins in the past. And I say, have you confessed them before? Yes. And I said, don't bring them up again. You're glorifying Satan in the confessional. What? Because some people want to confess the same sins again and again and again, because let's say they had an abortion 20 years ago. They still feel guilty about it and they still want to confess it. And I say, Jesus already paid for that sin. Why do you keep bringing it up? Because I don't feel, it ain't about how you feel. It's about what Jesus did for you. It's an act of faith. Huh? Now, if, in your, if you're thinking about your whole life and you've never made a good confession, it's like when I do a parish mission, I say most people have never made a good confession, meaning that they've purposely withheld mortal sin. Well, then none of your sins were forgiven, so you need to make a general confession. So I say, okay, when was the last time you made a good confession? Never, Father. Okay, let's take care of your whole life. And then I'll go through with them the, all the commandments and ask them the questions for them to say yes or no. Now, again, sometimes people want to, like, uh, brag about their sins. Well, let me tell you, I want to tell you more about that, Father. And I say, well, as long as I have the, the general thing, that's enough. I don't want you to glorify Satan and kill your, uh, or fill yourself with pride about, look, look what I did, and they want to go into great detail. Jesus know this, knows the sin. He knows every detail about it, especially the parts you won't tell because you're too embarrassed. But you still have to confess it, acknowledge it, and move on. So the only time I talk about general confessions, and I hear lots of general confessions when I do a parish mission, is for people who have not made a good confession. But once you've made a good confession, everything, you've confessed every mortal sin, then you start again from that moment. You don't ever go back to your past and your sinfulness. You know, that's the whole point. When you go to confession, it's gone. It's covered in the blood of Jesus. See, again, that's where the heresy comes in, the Pelagianism, where I have to earn my salvation. Again, look it up, Pelagianism. uh, It says that you have to earn your own salvation. It's what you do. Again, when you die, it's what Jesus did for you, not what you did for him. And again, that should make us grateful, filled with gratitude, filled with joy. Instead of like, oh, no, no, I have to earn it. That's not Christianity. That's Islam. That's Judaism. I have to earn it. I have to earn it. That's not Christianity. Christianity is Jesus earned it for me. I need to no longer live. Let Jesus live inside of me. I need to surrender my life to him. I need to let let Jesus live his life through me. So it's a process of dying to self more, of surrendering yourself more, and letting Christ grow in you more and more. It's Christ in us that does this stuff. And that's just so important. So, so if you hear what I'm saying, if you've never made a good confession, general confession, get rid of it. Make sure you confess every single thing. 
think about it. Pray the Holy Spirit before you go to confession. But don't do it on a Saturday where the priest is sitting there trying to get everybody in who's in mortal sin, and you go and say, I want to make a general confession, Father, because it might take you a while, unless you're with me, and then it'll take you 60 seconds because I'll go through every question with you, and we'll cover all your sins. Everyone. Everyone. The big ones, anyway. And then I'll sit there and say anything else, and you go, yeah, I want to, uh, okay. But again, I've heard confessions for people, general confessions, it's been 60 years, and I can get them out of there in 60 seconds, right? Because they need to confess it, they need to acknowledge it, and then they need to forget about it. Too many people want to stay focused on their sins, and they think that that makes them holy. What makes you holy is when you finally forget about yourself, and you're focusing on only pleasing Jesus and serving others. People who focus on their own holiness will never attain it. Holiness is a byproduct of love. Love of God, love of the others, never a focus on self. And that's why the devil comes into our life as an angel of light and he keeps us focused on ourselves, and he keeps thinking that that makes us holy, and we go, oh yeah, that's what it is, I'd be focused on myself, my sinfulness every day, so you're not concerned about others, you're not taking care of the poor, you're not doing anything for any other else, because you have a toothache, you're focusing on yourself, and when I do that, when others do that, that's not of God, and again, I've done it many times, especially when everything's going, falling apart around me, and I'm focusing on me like I have to do something, I got to surrender more, and trust more, and uh, do my best I can do, but leave the rest to Almighty God, because it's what He does, not what I do, okay? So, um, okay, let's go, that was here, let's go back to here. With COVID going on right now and receiving this email, I thought perhaps you'll be able to help me on this. I have very, un, a fair, I have very few unvaccinated friends, and would like to ask your view about unvaccinated Catholics because of the Catholic religion issue. I know that the decision is affected by Catholic priests who are against it. I'm 100, 1,000, 100 billion percent for the vaccination. I've been vaccinated, the first dose, the second dose, Pfizer, and I got the booster. And when other people tell me that, you know, how can I be a good priest? It's because I'm a good priest. How can I say that? Because the Pope of the church told us to do it. He says it's a moral responsibility for us to put other people first. Now, again, I think the devil's been using this to separate his body, the body of Christ, not the devil's body. It's already separated. Because I've had parishioners that leave and it will not come back and that say they've left my parish because I asked them if they weren't vaccinated. And listen, I'm not making anybody get vaccinated. You do what you want. You do what God tells you to do, not what Father Larry tells you to do. But if you decide not to be vaccinated, you should wear a mask to protect other people. I'm fully vaccinated and I wear masks more and more. Why? Because I'm on the road a lot. And I'm not the least bit upset if I get COVID and die for me. Who cares? The world would be better off, don't you think? People have been praying for that for a while for me. <laughs> but the reality is I'm petrified of being an instrument of someone else dying 
because I got it and I gave it to them. Now, people sit there and talk about, well, Father, don't you have faith in God? Of course I have faith in God, but I have faith in God, but I'm not going to go and jump out of an airplane with no parachute and say, I have faith in God. He'll protect me. No, he's going to watch me die. And he's going to say, I told you not to do that stuff. Think, think, think. Huh? Now, again, you do what you want, but make sure what you do is for the good of other people. So like I said for these people that left, um, I am the father of my parish. And my job as a pastor is to protect the people in my parish, my spiritual sons and daughters. So if I wear a mask to protect them, if that's all I got to do, I'll do it. I'm not going to fight about my rights. I'm going to sit there and make sure that I'm doing anything. Are you kidding me? That's the worst I have to do. That's the cross I have to carry when Jesus says, pick up your cross and deny your very self and follow in my footsteps. How do we not do that? So again, do what you want with the vaccine. Some people cannot be vaccinated because of they have issues, you know, medical issues. It's just not possible. So that's fine. So they wear masks. So I'll wear a mask to protect them. Now, again, no matter what I say, nothing. Always we do is have our opinions and we're not the least bit interested in dialoguing. So some people sit there and say, Father, you don't understand. I've done a lot of research on this myself, a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of doctors, doctors who are very, very Catholic, extremely Catholic, very, 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 very pro-life. And so in all the bishops except for one, all the bishops in the United States say, go get it. And most of them have all got it. Uh, get the vaccine. Then the people that are coming up and saying, no, 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 you can't do that if you're Catholic. They're going against the magisterium. The magisterium is the Pope and the bishops. So again, even if it was wrong, if we are obeying our Pope and our bishops, then it will not be held against us. Now again, if they told us to go out and sin, that would be a totally different reality. But it's not. It just isn't. No one is more pro-life than me. People of God, just look it up. Put Father Larry Richards and enough in any uh, Google thing and you're going to hear a very strong message. So when people tell me that I'm not of God or I'm not Catholic or that I'm not really pro-life because I got vaccinated, may Almighty God judge you the way you're judging me. I do a holy hour every day, as we all know, and it's not a bragging, it's just saying, I have prayed about this, and this gives me so much peace. And I do it for others. So that's, again, I've talked about this before, but I wanted to add it again because the question came in anew, and so uh, there'll be other people that completely disagree with me. But those other people are on the fundamentalist side. Isn't it sad this uh, week, the, the, the owner of, uh, the one who started, uh, not Trinity Broadcasting, but... Uh, the other Christian network who was very anti-vaccine and everything else, and this is the devil, the vaccines of the devil. He just died of COVID. I have one of my kids, 38 years old last week, died of COVID. 38 years old. No preconditions. 38 years old. In Erie right now, we have more people with COVID than before. Ever. It's the worst time for it right now. And it's because people just don't want to protect other people. They want their rights to be more important. It's what I believe is most important. How is it going to hurt anybody if you wear a mask? Well, stop me from fresh air. You have plenty of time to reach fresh air. Doctors and nurses wear masks all the time to protect others. 
ain't going to hurt you. It's pride that keeps us from doing these things. So please, uh, do what you will. But if you're not vaccinated, you should at least do everything to make sure other people are protected, that you're not an instrument of death to anybody. Okay? Okay. Da, 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 da. When you say the St. Gertrude's Prayer for the souls in purgatory, is it true the thousand souls are released? I have no idea, Paul. None. I don't. Again, uh, one drop of the precious blood of Jesus can release every soul from purgatory. So uh, when we talk about moments or time, that's why Vatican Council II got rid of that. Because after you die, there is no more time. You know, it's no more plenary indulgence. There's plenary indulgence, yes, or partial, but it's not like a partial indulgence of a thousand years or a hundred years or five days. It's partial because time is no longer when you die. You're in eternal nowness of God. So again, a lot of these things, I don't know. It's just, it's not the teaching of the church. It's theological speculation. Everything that comes out of saints' mouths is not the teaching of the church. So just, you know that. So you can believe that. There's nothing against uh, believing that. And praying for the poor souls in purgatory is a fantastic reality. I pray for them every day. If you ever listen to my mass, every day I pray first thing for the poor after the uh, uh, my other prayers, then I go for all the poor souls in purgatory and for whatever, but every day, so it's very important. Oh, yes, again, I go in the back and uh, talk about my mother. It's coming out. There's a story about a monk who walked out knee-deep in the ocean every day praying. A man wanted to, yes, and he dunked him and says, I use that story all the time about when you desire uh, God, as much as you desire breath, then you will find God. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite stories. Father Larry, do you have any advice on picking how to pick a good spiritual advisor? Yes, if you're a man and you get a priest, watch how the priest says Mass. If he knows that he's holding, and you can tell, if he knows that he's holding the God of the universe in his hands, then he can discern that. But if he can't discern that the God of the universe is in his hands in the form of bread and wine, he will not be able to help you uh, know your how to you for the grown spirituality. He must also be a man of prayer. Same with uh, like I'm a big one about women having women spiritual directors. So nuns in that that are orthodox, because a woman a woman's spirit is different than a man's spirit. You know I am one who my poor spiritual directees I challenge the heck out of them, and. Sometimes, even when I'm hard on somebody in confession, you know, guys can usually take my being hard because it's challenging them to be best. Women get mad at me. They walk out. They're uh, hurt and everything else. But, but sometimes, you know, we just need that challenge. And um, I'd encourage you also, don't find a spiritual director who is an echo chamber, who only tells you what you want to hear. But a spiritual director will tell you what God wants you to hear. And usually, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's always like my, my director, when I had my director, he would kick me in the uh, between the eyes every time I went there. And I'd say, oh, I hate you. But I knew he loved me enough to tell me truth. Sometimes we just want spiritual directors that tell us what we want to hear and not challenge us to be holy. And again, if your spiritual director is keeping you focused on yourself, that is not a director you want. A director to keep, should keep you focused on God and focused on others. 
That's how you'll grow in the spiritual life. Okay? Okay, let's go back here. Father, I was listening to Al Cresta on EWTN. The topic was homosexuality in the priesthood. Hmm. If gay priests do not act on their same-sex attraction physically, why can't they be priests? Well, we, uh, trust me on this. There are priests I know who are gay that have been celibate their whole life. And there are good, good priests. There were saints that were gay. And when I say gay, let's, let's scratch that off. Let, let, let's not talk about that couple things. One, you don't define yourself by your sexuality. I don't care if you're attracted to anything. That's not who you are, first of all. Second of all, same-sex attraction is a different. It's a temptation. It doesn't define you. Now, the church teaches that if someone has uh, these attractions, especially if they've acted on them, then they should not be into the seminary because uh, it's easier to act on them later. But celibacy is celibacy. And that's why when Pope Francis said, you know, again, he's the, the whole thing that people, the, the people go crazy over, like, who am I to judge? The question was about homosexuality in the priesthood. And he said, if a priest has same-sex attraction, but he's celibate, who am I to judge? Huh? That's what he was saying. Now, if when he was brought into the thing, one of the biggest things is, you know, there is a deep homosexuality in the priesthood and among the clergy and among the cardinals. There just is. And so one of the things that the Pope Francis was brought in was to clean up the curia. And so he come in and starts saying, we can't do this. And there's lots of uh, uh, instances of this. You know, and we got to stop this, he says. And so as compassionate as he is for people who have same-sex attraction, and that are celibate. He also has this, we got to get rid of people who have the hypocrisy of being holy, 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 and are going out and acting on sexuality, whether it be homosexuality, whether it be heterosexuality. If a priest is acting out on this, living out their sexuality and no longer being celibate, they need to leave the priesthood they should never get in. They need to be honest with themselves, huh? So that's a different reality. And again, I think that so many people would be so surprised. You know, some of their heroes, then they find out they had all kinds of uh, sexual problems. You just can't judge from what people look like externally. Again, you look at uh, Father Marcel, who founded the Legionnaires of Christ, he, to everybody, thought he was holy because he was conservative. He started a religious order. He should have been canonized. And yet he was molesting those boys. He was uh, having sex with women. I mean, oh, my gosh. But everybody thought he was holy, holy, holy. So, again, focused on self, focus on appearing to be holy is not what it is. Giving away your life like Mother Teresa Calcutta who gave away her life for the poor, who spent hours on her knees in adoration, that's where you see that this is true spirituality. Anyone that sits here and says like, oh, I am a priest, or I am a cardinal, or I am a bishop, and you're here to worship me, run, run. A true bishop, priest, call, uh, 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 cardinal is here to serve, and if they're not serving, there's a problem. Well, I serve in my apostolic mission. Oh, shut up and serve. Take care of the poor. Do stuff. 
be more concerned about others than you are about yourself. That's all. And that's what Pope Francis has been trying to say. And people fight him on that because they want to appear to be holy. Look how holy I am. I say my rosary every day. You better say your rosary every day, but you better also take care of the poor. The only time Jesus Christ says who goes to hell is I was hungry and he gave me no food. I was thirsty, gave me no drink. I say this again and again, and I get animated over this. I bet you've noticed how I get animated. I get so crazy because people look at how people look externally and how holy they look. I, I don't care. I don't care how you go to confusion. I don't care how you look when you're in church. I care about how you treat your family. I care about how you treat your poor. The poor, I care about how we treat others. That's what we got to be focused on because that's what will make us holy because that's what makes us like Jesus. Huh? Doesn't mean you're always gentle and tiptoeing through the tulips. Jesus wasn't. But it means you stand up for the poor and that kind of stuff. So that's why that kind of stuff is... Um, if you're homosexual acting, heterosexual acting, that's, you shouldn't be in the priesthood because the hypocrisy is bad. Now, if you had a fall once and you repented and you've been good, okay. But if you're consistently doing these things, you need to get out, no matter what your sexuality is. If you're acting on that stuff, you're hurting other people, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting the body of Christ. But we gotta still meet people in uh, compassion, huh? Because there's mercy for everyone except for priests. So again, when I'm coming on strong like all this stuff, you know, like uh, you, you can tell why I'll never be a bishop. <laughs> can you tell? Because the, the challenge there for us would be we got to sit there and be people who are concerned about the poor, need to be pastoral, not to be. We got to be Jesus. This is exactly what we got to be. We got to be Jesus. Every one of us, not just priests, not just bishops, not just cardinals, not just the Pope. All of us got to be Jesus. That means we get out of the way. Okay. Okay. Father, you're going to have something. Yeah, for St. Joseph, we had it last night was our last time for the, we've had every week we've had a big uh, mass and novena. So last night was the last night for it. <laughs> excuse me because next wednesday is the feast of the immaculate conception so we can't do the saint joseph mass novena for them okay A surrender amen father thank you for having mass every day good i'm glad thank you for uh watching it or listening to it cut it out father we need cop of souls thanks for your honesty about vaccines there you go Thanks, Father. Father, can you talk about priests in good standing, always talking about the end times, the three days of darkness? Father, Bible says only God knows. Again, I talked about this before. I don't buy the three days of darkness at all, at all. And the priests that do it, okay, God bless them. It's not scriptural. It's uh, some of the saints said it. Uh, they'll have people that do it. But my concern is bringing people to Christ, not sitting there scaring people about three days of darkness. If it comes, it comes. Um, Live every day taking care of others, loving others, uh, doing God's holy will and prayer and holiness and expression of others, and you'll be fine. Don't worry about three days of darkness. To me, it's a complete waste of time. But again, you have other priests say, see, that shows Father Larry isn't of God. Yeah, I know, I know, I get it, I get it. God knows our hearts, that's all I can say. God sees our hearts. 
Can you explain why weekly confession, one person is confession for 20 and 30 minutes? <laughs> I know. Not in my confession, all, but uh, unless they have really something. But some people just like to talk, and it makes it all about them instead of, you know, focus on me, Father. I don't care about all those other people standing in line. Hell with them, literally. It's all about me. You know, go in, confess your sins, and get out. If you need counseling, you set up a separate time for that. But confession is for confession, not for counseling. Can you please talk about purgatory? I'm, uh, I got a grumbling tone from someone. They said that what you're talking about, Jesus died for our sins. Again, it's the purification. It's that God, Jesus did die for our sins, but God is love. And because he is love, when the day we die, God takes us, he embraces us, and he, calls, he pulls us close to himself. All that selfishness that we've had in our hearts and our lives is burned away so we can enter in the kingdom of love. It can happen an instant. It can happen in time. The more selfish you've been, the more that time, longer that'll take. Huh? But that's the best way uh, to talk about purgatory, the way I have all these years. I don't have time to look up Daniel. Oh, there's nothing there. Okay, anyway, so let's go on here. What's your opinion of President Biden's visit with the Pope? I think everyone deserves, uh, uh, is in need of salvation. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. Jesus ate and drank with sinners. So the Pope should be eating and drinking with sinners. He does it with the poor. He does it with the rich. He does it with people in grace, not in grace. His job as Pope is to save them. Um, now, do I believe he should be going to con communion? I do not believe that. Uh, I'm a Pope, of course he should, but uh, Biden, no. Uh, did he tell them that? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. The only thing we heard is what Biden says. But should the Pope be uh, meeting with people like him? Of course he should. There's no one the Pope should not meet. No one. There's no one none of us should meet. No one. If they want to meet and have a dialogue and our job is to get them to heaven, okay, then we need to do what we can for them. Okay? Thanks, Father. I steer away too. Did you once say if you want to know a priest, watch how he handles the Eucharist? Yep, that's what I said about how to get a good spiritual director. But it's time for me to get. I got all these questions here, and we'll get the other ones uh, next week. Again, uh, this time of Advent is a time of hope. This time of Advent is a time of waiting upon the Lord. But we don't pretend that Jesus hasn't been born yet. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, and he lives inside of your life. But this time of Advent is that time of waiting to see him more and more and more and let him take be born in your life more and more and more, to let him take control more and more. So don't pretend this Advent. Long for Jesus more. Open your heart more so he can be born. And then bring him to others who are so much in need of Jesus, not me, not my opinion. They need Jesus. God wants everyone to be saved. Let that be what we want, that everyone be saved and we become the instruments of his salvation by bringing hope to them and to the world. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. I love you and I pray for you twice every day. Please pray for me. God bless you.